Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. Welcome back into Warriors This Week. Alongside Mark Grandy, this is Dan Devone. As the Golden State Warriors coming up, winners once again taking care of of the Washington Wizards, a hapless Wizards team as the Golden State Warriors now draw to 500, a 14-14 record. And Mark, they have been perfect since the last time we spoke, which is yet to occur on Warriors this week, thus far this season. If you were to attribute the winning streak, and I'm just going to remove the scheduling because, yes, they have taken on not necessarily the best that the NBA has had to offer. But that aside, what would you attribute the Golden State Warriors' recent success to? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know how you can't point to the play of the youth. I mean, the play of the youth has carried them. And obviously, you've gotten Clay Thompson figuring things out. He scored 20 points in every single game during this winning streak. Uh, he did that in their last loss as well on the road against the Clippers. But you see the way Jonathan Kaminga is playing. Maybe the best game of his NBA career last night. I mean, nearly perfect from the field. Up there in points scored. Trace Jackson Davis, consecutive double-doubles. Um, you're without Draymond Green. You're without your defensive anchor. You're with, you're without another great defensive player in Gary Payton the second last Last night, you also missed Andrew Wiggins, who's been playing a little bit better, but you didn't really feel like you missed anything. Like The youth is filling in every single gap that the Warriors have at the moment, and you're right, um, not the, the greatest of competition. That Boston game on Tuesday is the one exception, um, but if I'm the point to one thing, Dan... Uh, it's the youth, and specifically, it's Kaminga. We know what we're getting with Pajemski, but it's Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis. Those two have just been phenomenal. Yeah, so get back to the schedule. Now, just keep in mind that all things balance out because the Golden State Warriors, while they sat four games under this time a week ago at 10-14, and 14, had the most difficult schedule that the NBA could offer up to that juncture. So things have a way of evening out, and it's about time Golden State took on some of the lesser-thans in the NBA. As I mentioned, winners of four in a row trying to go over the 500 mark with an opportunity tonight against the Portland Trail Blazers. All the action, once again, can be heard right here on 95.7 The Game. You talked about the youth. I'll take you a step further. Specifically speaking, to me, it's Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah. The beginning of the year, the first maybe month of the campaign, we're talking about the emergence in this kid, Brandon Pajemski, who came out of nowhere who really took over not only the, the Golden State Warriors, but I think just sort of the NBA by storm. And has certainly been one of the storylines 
uh, not only for the Golden State Warriors, but the NBA, generally speaking. But now it's the other young man, Trace Jackson Davis, who not only is he youthful, but unlike that of Brandon Pajemski, unlike that of some of the other youthful players on this Golden State Warriors team, even Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, he, Mark Grandy, is a center. And he is an athletic center. And I don't know the last time I've seen one of those wearing a Golden State Warrior uniform. Well, you know what struck me watching the game last night was he had a block on one end, ran the floor, and caught the lob on the other. And the first thought that ran through my man, my, my mind, Dan, and no lie, that's what Jonathan, or excuse me, that's what James Wiseman was supposed to do. That's what he was drafted to do. And you use the number two overall pick on him. You just wanted some defense, some rebounding, maybe some shot blocking, and then you wanted catching lobs. That's all you wanted from the number two overall pick in the NBA draft. And now the Warriors got it with, what, the 57th pick in the NBA draft? A second round pick? Uh, that's what you got from that guy. It's, it's really the mold that you wanted James Wiseman to be. And at the moment, it's, it's early in his career, a couple of games, early returns are looking absolutely fantastic, and with every game, he, he seemingly gets more entrenched into Steve Kerr's rotation, uh, and we can talk about those rotations coming up a little bit later on, um, but he is filling the role that the Warriors thought they were going to fill with James Wiseman. It's just, it took a couple more years than expected. You talked about the double-double. Only three rookies this year have gone back-to-back with double-doubles, one of which was was Victor Wembanyama, the other being Chet Holmgren. Not bad company. And now number three, of course, you're talking about Trace Jackson Davis, the young man out of the University of Indiana in his first year with the Golden State Warriors. The numbers last night, he had 10 points to go along with the 15 rebounds. Here's where I want to go with it. How long before he becomes a starter? Now, I, I don't know if it necessarily matters because you know, Kevon Looney's getting subbed out pretty early here, but... Is this sort of, is the writing on the wall, and is he forcing Steve Kerr's hand to a guy that, again, I don't know if he's seeing the court if the Warriors aren't dealing with the absence, not only of, of Draymond Green, but Andrew Wiggins wasn't available. But injuries have been the reason why a lot of these kids have been getting an opportunity. But when you think about Kevon Looney, who was not hurt, but just simply if you're if you're to measure the quality of play right now and the impact, this guy, I think, is pushing Kevon Looney for starting minutes. And I wonder as to whether the reason why Kevon Looney continues to start, I'm not hating on Kevon, but is this just almost ceremonial? Is he almost sort of like an honorary starter because Steve Kerr recognizes what he means to the team? He's a leader. And Steve Kerr says all the right things when asked about Kevon Looney and a starter for the Golden State Warriors, but one of which he does not address is, well, is he still physically giving you a better opportunity to win as opposed to someone like that of a Trace Jackson Davis at this juncture? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, if Trace Jackson Davis keeps playing like this, it's going to be difficult to, at the very least, not give him more minutes, more minutes, more minutes as you know each week progresses. For me, I, I don't really worry about who starts that much. I think it's, it's it's a little more important to keep an eye on rotations and who's getting minutes with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson maybe in the, in the third quarter. And and you said it, I mean, off the top, Kevon Looney is your starter just about every single night. Some nights he only plays like 14 minutes because ever, either the uh, the matchup isn't good for him, but you're right, maybe it's more just kind of a, a, a ceremonial starter at this point, and maybe that's something that the Warriors need to move off of. Um, I also think there is 
importance in ensuring that you do have some scoring thump off the bench. And you're going to have that, I think, because this is a, a Warriors team that is relatively deep. Um, you don't know what you're going to get every single night because a lot of that depth you're relying on is young depth. Um, but this is a, a team where no matter who is starting, if Pajemski's starting, if Kaminga's starting, well, what does that mean? That means that assuming Wiggins is healthy and he was just out with a general illness last night, so he should be fine, um, you're going to have Wiggins coming off of the bench. If you start Wiggins, guess what? You're going to have Pajemski coming off of the bench. Like Really, no matter how Steve Kerr decides to to, to pick his starting five, and we know it's going to include Steph. We know it's going to include Clay. If Kaminga keeps playing like this, even when Draymond comes back, Kaminga can't possibly be taken out of the starting lineup. He's playing the best basketball of his entire career. Um, Steve Kerr has decisions to make. One of them, I think, potentially down the road could be Trace Jackson Davis. For me, though, Dan, I think it's a little too early. He's had two really good games, one against a really good team in Boston and, and this one against Jordan Poole and, and the Washington Wizards. But I, I like to see him keep it up a, you know, over a week, two weeks stretch, and then we go from there. And, and that might also coincide with a potential Draymond Green return, who knows, at some point in the new year. Um, I would hold off on that for now. It, Seems like Trace is really thriving in this off-the-bench role, and I'm not going to be eager to, to change anything too soon there. I would agree with you that it matters who finishes as opposed to who starts a basketball game, and I guess the reason why I wanted to go there, and certainly not to attack Steve Kerr, I always have to preface this when I'm talking about the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. Not only is he out of my alma mater, the University of Arizona, bear down, shout out Wildcats, <laughs> But I'm just a big fan of this guy. Not only as a tactician and what he's been able to do as a head coach, but off the court, I just, what he, you know, who he is as a man, I'm just, it aligns with sort of my, what I like to think my moral and ethics are. But that aside, you know, if you're a head coach, you got anything to do with professional sports, then you're you're subject to, you know, my criticism. <laughs> and just like anything else, mm-hmm. it's it's sports talk radio. And so one of the things that one of the few things I would go after Steve Kerr, and I'm certainly, you know, not shedding light on something that people aren't aware of, is his allegiance to the foundation, if you will. His allegiance to the Steph, the Draymond and the Clay and Andrew Wiggins, and that that's those are my guys. And very slow to sort of recognizing that rookies could have an impact. And I think if you were to look, if there's any sort of future hope with the Golden State Warriors going forward this year, as far as relevancy and making an impact in a run of the postseason, it's going to be this strong balance of the youth and the veteran guile and leadership and the experience. But that youth is making a serious, serious play to become... Uh, as significant, if not more so, in terms of time and minutes than that of some of the players that we're accustomed to seeing. And so, while Steve Kerr is now finally recognizing that Trace Jackson Davis, Jonathan Kaminga, and Brandon Pajimski need minutes, I think his hand was forced. Brandon Pajimski did not play in the beginning of the season. He was DMP'd. He'd get in if it was a blowout. Do you remember how he got his first real run? Was it Minnesota? It, yeah, it was the Clay and Draymond ejection game. And they were also without, I want to say, Steph. Steph was out, I think, with a minor injury or an illness in that game. Yeah. And that was his, you know, that was his coming out party. So you're right. So it's it's usually it's you know, it's a product of circumstance. And Steve Kerr's privy to these guys. We're not. He see these guys in practice. He knows what it is that Brandon Pajemski's doing. He's behind the curtain. 
And the same holds true with Trace Jackson Davis. But despite him knowing that, and despite knowing that they have youth and energy, he still has this attachment to this, you know, that starting lineup and to the foundational pieces that have brought him championships. And he's just, I, I think that sometimes when you just get entrenched in your, in your ways as a head coach, it's sort of hard to learn a new trick at this stage of the game. But I think that that's, where, that's what we're witnessing is the metamorphosis, the transition in front of our very eyes of that of Steve Kerr as a head coach that, yes, it's not out of, not only is it out of need because I'm shorthanded because of injuries in the absence of Draymond Green, but now it's me as a head coach recognizing that I need to go another way because we're a better basketball team and also so that we can compete with some of the youth now that you see at the top of the conference, namely Minnesota, OKC, Houston, and the like. Yeah, I think a lot of it, you're right, has kind of been Steve Kerr's hand force, and it started with Brandon Pajemski. Uh, you could even make the case that that's what's happening now with Trace Jackson Davis because of Draymond Green's absence. You, last night, you're without Andrew Wiggins, all of that. I know Trace Jackson Davis got in on the road against Portland and has played uh, in, in a big way, in a big rotation piece the last two games here at home. I also think it's important to point out that Steve Kerr, and this is to your point, Dan, has been slow, but once he started that shift, he hasn't really shied away from it. And it was, I think, like three and a half weeks ago now. It was the week after Thanksgiving, Warriors on the road in Sacramento. Uh, and that was the game where Steve Kerr approached Moses Moody pregame and said, Hey, Moses, you're out of the rotation tonight. I'm not planning on playing you. Um, you know, but be ready because something could happen. You never know, and, and we might need you. But the plan was to not play him. And the Warriors go up, I think it was like by 24 points late in the first half. They they blow the lead in the second half. Kerr has no answer, so he turns to Moses Moody, who he previously said was not going to play. And Moody comes in and really keeps the Warriors afloat in that game. He had a couple of big threes. Um, I think he had a steal and a dunk uh, and, and kept the Warriors afloat when they were really, really struggling, blowing a, a big, big lead on the road against the Kings. And then with about four minutes left, he subbed Moses Moody out. I think he brought Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins in. Or maybe Wiggins was already in, brought Clay in. I forget exactly what the sub was. But he subbed Moses Moody out. And after the game was asked about it, came on this station, I think, the next day and immediately said, you know, I, looking back on it now, I should have left Moses Moody in. I wanted to go back to the veterans because I feel like they've earned that right, but I should have left the hot Moses Moody in. And then what happened uh, a couple of days later? It was Portland at home, and Jonathan Kaminga this time was out of the rotation and not expected to play in that game. And then you had the Warriors kind of stuck in the mud through three quarters against Portland. And what did Steve Kerr do? Turn to Jonathan Kaminga. And Kaminga was incredible in that game. His first, I think, moment on the floor was a steal and a dunk. Had blocks, had other steals, had lanes, had a couple of threes. He willed the Warriors to victory against the relatively hapless Portland Trailblazers. What did Steve Kerr do in that game? He did not take Jonathan Kaminga out. He did not replace him with Wiggins. He did not replace him with Clay Thompson. He did not replace him with Draymond Green. He kept Jonathan Kaminga in the game. Um, 
and as a result, Kaminga helped them win that game. So I think you're right. We are seeing the, the evolution of Steve Kerr just a little bit. And if we are to, to be super critical of his decisions, first of all, I get it, considering what the youngsters are looking like right now. Imagine, you know, some of the losses that could have potentially been wins if this was what the, the youngsters were able to provide you from the beginning of the season. But, I mean, let's think back to the history of Steve Kerr with the Golden State Warriors, how many rookies have been able to do what uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Brandon Pajemski have been able to do this year? How many rookies? Like, literally none. Like, this is not normal, and Steve Kerr has never had this to rely on, so the fact that maybe it, it took him a little bit of time to realize, you know what, maybe I can rely on these young guys a little bit more than I was expecting. I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass because it's so unlike anything we've seen in the Steve Kerr era up to this point. Well, I just wonder, let's just say everybody's healthy and Draymond Green doesn't get suspended, would we see Trace Jackson Davis? Would we see Brandon Pajemski? At some point, you just have to recognize that to be a successful head coach and a general manager, I've always felt it's you have to be innovative. And you have to you have to see things that we don't. You have to be ahead of the curve. And when it comes to playing some of these youngsters, I just think, you know, his hand was forced. And then when he saw how good and and how impactful they could be at this level, then it made his decision a little bit easier. But you know, I, I don't know that Brandon Pajemski ever sees the light of day and or Trace Jackson Davis if it wasn't for the opportunities to play. And my point being is that even in the perfect world that everybody was healthy and everything was intact, those guys need to be shoehorned into the lineup. We needed to see Trace Jackson Davis even if there wasn't room for him because of the youth and energy, which is the one thing that you're lacking on this basketball team. I do want to stay with Trace Jackson Davis for a moment because you brought it up. You said, when have you ever seen players like this being able to contribute? And you know what? What, Mark, again, I don't know that I've seen a big like Trace Jackson Davis, and I'm going to go back to that Boston game and that one play in particular mm. where Jalen Brown had Pajemski, I believe, beat, and he's just going in for that left-handed layup by one of the best in the NBA, the highest-paid player in the NBA. We're talking about Mr. Brown with the Boston Celtics. And he does this with a level of regularity. And it was a nice move, and you're like, wow, all right. He just took Pajemski to the cleaners, going to score at that left hand, and out of nowhere, and I mean out of nowhere, comes Trace Jackson Davis with the most athletic block I want to say I've ever seen in a Golden State Warrior uniform. And it was significant to me, and I know I'm embellishing here, and I know I'm getting in a little bit theatrical. Uh, going back to the days of, I don't know, Joe Barry Carroll, you can think about... You know, Andrew Bogut, when have we seen a center with that sort of athletic, with that block? I, I, like everybody else, are just ready to concede those points. And I'm like, holy crap. And this guy's with the Golden State Warriors, and he's a kid? Like, that athleticism jumped out at the screen at me. Like, that one play, I'm like, my God. Not only... Was that the most athletic play I've seen as a Golden State Warrior fan, but also from a center? You've got a center now that can do that? 
Get that young fellow some run. Give him an opportunity. We're going to open up the phone lines, 888-957-9570. I see you, Ray. We're going to get to you in just a sec. Just your thoughts really quick, Mark, on, on the young man, and specifically that block. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm with you. When Jalen Brown got past the initial defender, there's no one in the paint, and you're like, oh, I, all right, well, two points for the Celtics. Back to a two-point game, about two, two and a half minutes left in overtime. Like, go out there, offense. Let's get a bucket. Uh, we got to answer back. And Trace Jackson Davis comes from the right side out of nowhere and just sends it away. I don't even know how he got a fingertip near Jalen Brown, let alone cleanly blocking the ball. Um, And I don't know, when you just see him running up and down the court, he doesn't at least for me, I don't know how you feel. He doesn't really strike me as an incredibly athletic guy. Just get that big old butt. Yeah. Right. And he... I don't something about the way that he runs, like his motion. It's like it's kind of slow, and it doesn't seem terribly smooth, and not not super efficient. Like you can tell, he's not a sprinter or anything. Like it's he. You're right. He lumbers, and then he just has these quick twitch jump where he beats everyone else. He does it on rebounds all the time. He does it on the offensive end for lobs. He just beats everyone up. In, in terms of beating them up into the air to, to get a ball, to knock a ball away, to, to jam one home. He is a lot more athletic than he looks. And uh, every time he, he makes a play like that, and, and that one against Jalen Brown was the biggest, the most impressive, the most surprising, the most important in the biggest moment against the best possible player. Um, but he has moments like that where you kind of, are taken aback because you don't expect that sort of athleticism to come from someone of that frame. All right, to the phone lines, 888-957-9570. They're backing up. Uh, people want to chime in when the Warriors are playing well, and that's exactly what they've done this week. Four in a row, including the win last night over the Wizards, trying to make it five straight when they take on Portland tonight. We open things out with Rhea. Rhea joins us from Machine Woodminster, or is that her last name? Rhea, how are you today? Ray, you there? Good night, Raya. That's a way to open up the show. Ray couldn't find the uh, the receiver end with which to speak. So we'll go back out to Chris. Chris is hanging out in the 510. Chris, what do you got? You. Chris, you're on, buddy. Oh, good morning. How we doing? Good, how are you? Doing great, thank you. Uh, your comment that Trace Jackson Davis came out of nowhere, uh, I would differ. I believe he came out of exactly where he was supposed to be, which was in health defense. And, you know, especially the NBA, block shots mostly come from the helper, not from the guy on the ball. So I'm of the opinion that Jackson Davis was positioned properly in help, which allowed him to read that play and make the block without fouling. That's my take. Chris, don't go anywhere, because that's a really good insight. But I would say this. You're absolutely right. But when is the last time, and I'm talking about a kid, a rookie, who's able to recognize weak side help defense, who's able to recognize rotational defense. Remember that was the big knock on Weissman? Weissman had no idea how to rotate and make a block like that. We've never seen a big, maybe, maybe I would say Draymond Green 
at his height, in his 20s, could make that sort of an athletic play, but I don't necessarily consider him a center. But, I mean, Jordan Bell, all the guys that have come through the Golden State Warriors system, when is the last time you've seen a young big, and you're right, it was weak side help, make that sort of rotational play and have the insight and the wherewithal to make that block? Uh, if you're talking about a rookie, i got to scratch my head a little bit and think I, Draymond, I would agree, although not a center, Um, My first thought was JaVale McGee, but of course he wasn't a rookie, but he made that kind of play a lot. And you know what? Andrew Bogut made that play a lot, but of course he was a seasoned vet by the time we got him. Good job, Chris. Thanks so much. Let's keep it going. Want to go out to Nick in Oakland? Nick in Oakland standing by. And just really quick on Chris's point, Mark, is that JaVale McGee was athletic, I would say, in the dunker spot. But as as a defender, we didn't see that sort of athleticism. Let's not get our history twisted here. Good athletic player, but he didn't make rotational blocks like that. No, he couldn't read the game, see it in that way. And the fact that we're talking about a rookie, Trace Jackson Davis, who can see the game that way, and he sees it on both ends, offensively and defensively. He sees it on rebounds. He can he can anticipate where the ball is going to bounce, which is what all of the best rebounders do. Uh, he just sees the game in a way that, that few rookies do, and to JaVale McGee's point, a number of veterans don't do. So it, it's, a, it's a huge plus in, in Trace Jackson uh, Trace Jackson Davis's corner. Oakland, California. Let's say hello to Nick who joins the show. Big Nick, what's up, buddy? Hey, good morning. Long-time listener, first-time caller. You know, just one of the things I want to say about Steve Kerr. You, you go back all these years, and he talks about sticking with the starters, sticking with his go-to players. And, and I think, you know, it's just a learning curve for him. And I think everybody's just a little too hard on him. I mean, we got to go back to his time on the Bulls and uh, where he came from. And 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 I, I think he's doing a great job. And I think just like the rest of us, sometimes it's like, okay, maybe there are a couple of rookies that can help us out. No, you're right, Nick. And part of the reason why... The Golden State Warriors are as good as they are. Obviously, it's because of Steve Kerr, but it's because Steve Kerr and his relationship with his best players, namely Steph Curry, and Steph can do as he pleases. And he knows that he has Steve Kerr's respect, and it's mutual. And one of the reasons, and one of the fallouts from that is that because the allegiance is so strong and because he has such faith in these guys, it's difficult for him to turn the page or it's difficult to take their minutes away. And maybe Steve Kerr is part of that. Maybe Steve Kerr sees this as, you know, the big three and me, we're all one big package. And we're all going to walk off to the sunset together. So when you talk about change, you know, if you want rookies and kids, well, then get somebody else in here to do that because I'm going out with these guys. Now, I know that's, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that's where he's at, and that might be a bit of a strong take, but, you know, his allegiance to these guys are the reason for the success for the Golden State Warriors as much as anything else. All right, do we want to go out... To uh, let's see, we're going out to Austin in San Jose. You're standing by, Austin. What's up, man? Hey, fellas! Happy Saturday, happy holidays. Um, appreciate the time. I, I just want a couple comments. One is, I think we need to give a lot of credit to Dunleavy um, for look at the draft picks. His first real draft of his own, and he's come up with two, I think, real potential uh, winners in in uh, Pazinski and, of course, Trey Jackson Davis. I think Dunleavy deserves a lot of credit. I also want to say with Steve Kerr. I think we should give some credit to the uh, assistant coaches, too, because I have a feeling that there's somebody on the bench that's been whispering in Steve's ear regarding uh, some of the young guys and, and the playing time. And then the other thing, the third thing I wanted to mention to you guys is that 
part of the reluctance, I think, of uh, Steve to go with young guys is based upon their experience with Weissman and some of the other young guys that, frankly, weren't ready to play, weren't even NBA-caliber players, where now we've got guys that have had experience in college and actually know how to play basketball. So I think part of it is Steve seeing now, oh, I can actually put young guys on the court that actually know what they're doing. So I think you gotta you got to recognize the changes going coming about because they're different players. That, that's what I had, guys. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for calling on. And Austin's right. I mean, the the Warriors under Steve Kerr have not relied on any rookies to do anything. I mean, the last Warriors rookie to have a big impact on a team was probably Draymond Green. I mean, unless you're looking at the... Uh, the, the COVID-shortened season, 2019-2020, where Clay was out the whole year, Steph was hurt, Draymond was in and out, Eric Paschal was a first-team all-rookie. Like, But we're not counting that because that that team was one of the worst teams in the NBA. Draymond Green was like the last legitimate Warriors rookie on a decent team, on a team vying for the playoffs, to have any sort of meaningful impact on a Warriors season. That was forever ago. Forever ago. And that was not with Steve Kerr. Ozzy in San Jose, we're going to get to you. Got to get to a break. The rest of the callers hang in there. The Golden State Warriors trying to make it five straight tonight, right here on 95.7 The Game, when they take on Portland right now. It's Warriors this week alongside Mark Grandy. This is Dan Devon. We continue with your calls and more right after this on 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guacamole on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Warriors This Week, Mark Grandy and Dan Avone got you covered until noon. And of course, coming up this afternoon, later today, it'll be... The pregame show, and then, of course, it's the Warriors taking on the Portland Trail Blazers for the second time within a week as Golden State tries to make it five straight and go over sea level, get over the 500 mark. 
currently at 14 and 14. This who, is a, a Who would have thought that would have been impossible when we talked a week ago? I mean, it was uh, we were circling <laughs> Sky the Sky is falling. It was pretty bad a week ago, but we knew this. We knew that the schedule was going to get a little easier. Yeah. And wins just have one of those things. It's one of those it has a way of just making everybody feel good and changing the entire complexion of the room and certainly of the fan base. It builds a little level of confidence. I do I would say though that certainly there was nothing easy with the Boston Celtics. Mm-mm. You know, the Celtics have clearly established themselves as one of the best in the NBA and the favorite to come out of the East and a team that was tied, I believe, with Minnesota for the best record in the NBA. And just to go back to that game for a moment. And again, to highlight that play at Trace Jackson Davis, and I don't mean to dwell on one play in particular, but some of the callers, and they were good points when they're saying that, that wasn't necessarily anything special. He didn't come out of nowhere, I think one of the callers talked about, but rather he just came from the weak side. And he's right. He's right. When you break this down, X's and O's, it was weak side help defense. And somebody else I'm seeing here on the text line says, well, Jordan Bell actually played as a rookie in playoff minutes, according to the text line. Not a great player, but Kerr had him in the rotation of the postseason. That's true, 925, and thank you for the text. But I would say this, when it comes to Jordan Bell, uh, certainly when it came to James Weissman, even veteran players on this Warriors team, what it is that Trace Jackson Davis did to have the wherewithal to recognize, to make that rotation, and to get over and provide that weak side help defense and to provide that block is just something that it had to jump out at everybody. That the high IQ that this guy has, and not only him, but Brandon Pajemski, that it's, you know, it's not the raw athleticism like that of a Jonathan Kaminga, and even a Moses Moody to a certain degree. Yeah. They don't have those you know, sort of builds. But it's the fact that these guys know basketball. And they know not only how to play the game, but they certainly know how to pick it up and play it within the Golden State Warriors system. And I think that's as important as anything. Well, yeah. I mean, the story about James Wiseman was, and really for Jonathan Kaminga as well, but these guys have barely even played any basketball their entire lives. Kaminga started playing when he was what like 14 years old like he's he's even hasn't even had a decade's worth of playing basketball let alone at any kind of high level but just playing basketball he hasn't had that James Wiseman had his basically his entire collegiate career ripped from him he didn't play basically at all in college and then he's had all the injury issues early in his NBA career with the Golden State Warriors um, meanwhile, you have Trace Jackson Davis, who's the son of longtime a- NBA player Dale Davis, who played multiple years, four years uh, in college, who's been to multiple NCAA tournament, uh, not just games, but actual tournament appearances over multiple seasons, and the best player on a Big Ten team. Like, there's a, a difference in the the kind of experience that these players have, and that is meaningful when you're trying to get immediate impact from a player. Now, maybe the ceiling for Jonathan Kaminga versus uh, Trace Jackson Davis is a little bit different, and that's where the athleticism comes into play. That's where the position that they play matters. That's where you you can kind of explain where they were drafted. Jonathan Kaminga, a top 10 pick, and again, Trace Jackson Davis, a second round pick, although with every passing game seeming more and more like that second round pick, uh, should have been a first round pick because he's playing like one. Um, but when you're trying to get impact from a rookie, those sorts of things matter. Who, 
Your NBA father matters. You've been around the game your entire life. The fact that you played with a former NBA coach, Mike Woodson, at Indiana for years, the fact that you've seen all of this, you've been around the block, that all matters. And it's it's not enough to say, well, if you have that, you're going to automatically be impactful because that would take away from the individual. And I don't mean to take away from Trace Jackson Davis because obviously he has some kind of special individual talent. But those sorts of things, Dan, the experience matters. And I don't know if it was an active decision, an active switch, maybe in philosophy for the Warriors, this draft versus past drafts. But you could tell they were shooting for the lottery ticket. James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga. Moses Mooney doesn't quite fit that mold because he's more of a steady guy and you kind of feel like you know what you're going to get every single night. But with the, the crazy athleticism and the length of Wiseman and, and Kaminga and the, the way that basketball is changing, it's a wing game now. And you can get you know a, a wing guy in a seven-foot body. That's James Wiseman. That's what you hoped it was going to be. But with these picks, specifically with Trace Jackson Davis, maybe a little less so for Pajemski, although he's still very experienced in his own right and under control and plays less of a, a flashy game and more of a gritty game, it feels like there was a shift in philosophy for the Golden State Warriors in terms of who they want to add to this team. And maybe some of it was just because of where their roster is at elsewhere. They needed the help from the youngsters, um, but it did seem like they planned on at least hoping, trying Fingers crossed to get a little bit more from their youngsters right now. And as a result, they needed people who were simply put just a little bit more ready for the NBA. And these guys are. Are we not giving enough credit to like, to one Mike Dunleavy Jr.? Like, I think this is... This guy might be it. I mean, all right. It's I mean, the draft year. picks are looking great. It's a brief sample size, but... You know what I like to do with Dunleavy? I like to just sit him down... Get a beer and just say, my man, it's not going to go any further than this. I swear. <laughs> right? No live mic here. If you had those lottery picks, come on, man. Tell me. Would you have done the same thing? Would you have, If you were Bob Myers and you were in that lottery, would you have gone Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and James Weissman? Like, something tells me he wouldn't. Now, obviously, you get him on the air or you get him in a public sort of setting and he's going to tow the... The, the politically correct line, yep. and he'll give you the company word, and he'll tell you, of course, yeah, no, that was a collective decision, and we like those guys, and you never know, there's a high level of risk, however it is that he wants to spin it. Something it tells was a me, group decision. Something tells me, though, he reads the room a little differently. And I always, I, I talked about this earlier in the show, that if you're really going to be a, you know, not a good coach, but a great coach, and I use that superlative, you know, infrequently. Like, if you're really going to be in that pantheon of great coaches, a great GM, you've got to see things differently. Like, you go, you know, where other people cannot. You're innovative. You're a visionary. Sometimes it doesn't work, but you're the per. That's why we, that's why you are who you are, right? You are the Bill Belichicks of the world, the soothsayers. Like, I see something here that other people do not. And when you think about, not only Brandon Pajemski and drafting him out of Santa Clara, but a guard at the time you're thinking, come on, really, dude? We got the Splash Brothers. You need another guard on the Golden State Warriors. We want that coveted wing. Give me the guy 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, Give me the guy at the four spot. Don't you don't you listen to 95-7 the game? Don't you hear what it is that we say? You know, take the pulse of the people. We don't need another guard. 
And there was that kid, I'll never forget, I want to look at him, Cam Whitmore. Mm. I remember that name being bandied about, right? Out of Villanova. He's 6'7". That's who the Warriors need. He's available. And he goes, Brandon Pajemski. And, and that's what I mean. And Pajemski, Santa Clara, it's something people around here had no clue who the, who the kid was. And he's going to a local school. But it's that, it's that little sort of intangible X factor, however it is you want to label it, where a guy like that at Denley, he's like, yeah, I know we're loaded that position, but there's a twinkle in this dude's eye, however it is that he measured what it is that Brandon Pajemski could do at this level, and it's translating. And I just I wonder that if it was Mike Dunleavy that was sitting at that position and could pull the trigger, well, the Golden State Warriors found themselves in this very odd, odd situation where they were in the lottery despite having that foundational Hall of Fame core still at a productive level, and you have these two perfect worlds com- com- co- colliding. The perfect storm for the Golden State Warriors to be relevant and old with the dynastic, you know, this dynastic run to continue, but you couldn't miss, you could not miss on these lottery picks. And I'm just curious if Mike Dunleavy had the opportunity, would it be James Weissman, would it be Jonathan Kaminga, and would it be Moses Moody? We'll have to wait for his memoir when it's all said and done. Because <laughs> you know, you know how I feel about the G League, and I'm sort of tongue in cheek, but Grant, I'm telling you, man. You talked about these guys like that of, you know, Brandon Pajemski out of Illinois and Santa Clara, and you're talking about someone uh, like that of Trace Jackson Davis who played in Indiana under Mike uh, Woodson, a big program, Big Ten championships, NCAA tournaments. You know, and you think about guys coming out of the G League Ignite, they don't have that level of experience. These guys are playing in front of, what, you know, 50 people against Grand Rapids on a Wednesday night in front of no one? And I just I say that because when you think about Jalen Green, he came out of the G League Ignite. You know what's he doing? Not much as a as a what was considered a top pick. And then Scoot Henderson, you'll get an opportunity to see him. Is he going to be in the lineup tonight against Portland, or is he hurt? I think so. Uh, I think Scoot he, Henderson yeah. will be going tonight. So I don't know. Do you, Jonathan Kaminga? Uh, we'll get into Jonathan Kamiga. Why waste any more time? We'll, we'll talk about the young man who also came out of G League Ignite. But you know, you just wonder. When you had, as we have talked about, you know, you had Wagner sitting there and some of these other players, but you oh, went man. G League Ignite. But let's just talk about Jonathan Kaminga because as much as I sort of dog him and, and the G League, he suddenly looks as though it's, it's slowing down and he's making the right decision. Is he growing up in front of our very eyes and or grand? Is this another one of those teases? Because we've seen, just when we're ready to anoint him, as like, ah, he's finally getting it. And then suddenly he's putting his head down and going 100 miles an hour again. This feels a little different to me. <laughs> and maybe I'm in danger of getting hurt again. I don't know. But this feels a little bit different. It's For me, it's less about the points. And he had 22 points last night. That was fantastic. But for me, I, I worry way less about the point total. And it's more about the eye test. And what do I remember when watching the game? And I feel like on, you know, maybe two weeks ago, and let's see, I'm looking through his game log. Friday, the 8th of December, that was the, the two-point overtime loss in Oklahoma City when Draymond fouled Chet Holmgren up three, but he was in his upward shooting motion. He made all three free throws to force overtime. A one that you should have won, and there was a lot of them in that stretch of Warriors basketball, but it was that game. Kaminga scored 24 points in that game. That's a season high. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will look at the point total and say, well, he was great that game. But I feel like I can remember, like, 
seven times where Jonathan Kaminga, the ball in his hands, and just out of control. Out of control. Runs over someone for a charge. Pass and crash. Loses the ball out of bounds because he's going too quickly. He he was just going way, way, way too fast. And you're right. It, it wasn't quite at a point where you felt like he was comfortable with everything going on around him. But you fast forward to now, and for me, it's really like the last... Five games, the, the game in Los Angeles, the loss against the Clippers, and then the four consecutive wins against Brooklyn, Portland, Boston, and Washington. Uh, he has 15, 10, 12, 17, and now 22 points. But it's more about the individual moments. And I can't remember nearly as many times where after a play, I think to myself, like, okay, JK, like, take a deep breath. Calm down. You don't need to go 100 miles an hour down the floor in this instance. But he's making the right plays, not just whether to to drive or to continue kicking the ball, but he's making decisions to drive and kick to the corner for an open three. He had three assists last night. He's on the glass a little bit more consistently. Four rebounds last night, seven on Tuesday against Boston. He just is a little bit more under control, and I think he's playing with a base level of effort that you haven't really seen from him. Because at times in the past, even when Kaminga was in you know, his quote-unquote good stretches, where he was scoring the ball and he was slashing and he would pull off these thunderous dunks, which he's doing now every single night, you would still find moments, and more than moments, patches of games where he would kind of just slack off in terms of his effort. The defense would wane. He wouldn't get on the glass. And there's few guys who can sky higher than this guy. He should be getting more than two, three rebounds every single night. He is that kind of athlete. I feel like we're finally at a point, Dan, and again, things can change, but for the last two weeks where... We've seen a base level of effort that has been consistent on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, that for the most part hasn't waned. And then on top of that, you have the the pluses that he's adding offensively. He's making three-pointers at a decent clip over the last couple of games. He's getting to the rim. He's making the right basketball decisions. But for me, it's more than, than just the points, it's than just the stats. It's it's about that baseline effort that he's giving, and for me, that is much more consistent here this last maybe 10 days or so than it has been before. A couple of things when it comes to Jonathan Kaminga. First of all, we know that he can be, he's young, so he can be a, a bit emotional, and I wonder how much of this is the fact that he's starting, because he seems to respond better yeah. as a starter. And so let me just put this to you. Let's just fast forward. Here comes Draymond Green. Let's just say that, you know, the Andrew Wiggins is healthy and ready to go. Kavon Looney is obviously Kavon Looney. Where do you slate Jonathan Kaminga? Has he earned an opportunity to start? Now, to your point, starting is just, you know, yeah, you like to start and put your best five out there, but more importantly, you want to close. But just for the sake of this conversation, Draymond's healthy. What are we doing with Jonathan Kaminga? Well, and to your point, maybe he plays better as a starter, and that's where the starting lineup decision would matter more than maybe elsewhere. Like, Kevon Looney doesn't have that sort of, I don't know, chip on his shoulder, where maybe Jonathan Kaminga does. Um, I'll say this, Dan, there's still a lot of time before Draymond Green returns. But if Jonathan Kaminga is playing like this consistently until Draymond Green's return, 
I mean, he's going to have to be pulled out of the starting lineup kicking and screaming, and I think Warrior fans will be right there with him. Uh, I mean, if if Kaminga's step up in play coincides with Draymond Green's absence, while also coinciding with the Warriors beginning to string wins together, there's no way that he can be taken out of the starting lineup. Like it, it's whether it's a coincidence, you could argue that whatever, like. You can't take him out if everything around him is going right. Why change something that's working so well? I would agree. And I'm sort of hot and cold on this guy because I think this time a week ago, he was our big trade piece for the Golden State Warriors if they were to make a serious run. Now listen... Well, he still is if you're going to make a big move. I'm not getting off of that. And I think we have to... you know, we If you're going to entertain a trade... And if you want to get specifically, let's just say again, for the sake of this conversation, it's Pascal Siakam time. Hello, Pascal. If he's coming to the Golden State Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga has got to be part of that package. Now, it's not going to be one for one, but if he's, you know, he's packaged with Chris Paul and an unprotected pick, whatever it is, if Moody's got to be in there, you know Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a centerpiece. But when you think about where he's playing right now, and there's always a level of risk when you're dealing someone as young as Jonathan Kaminga. But what makes it even more difficult, if you are going to deal him, if he's just now beginning to get it, if he is just now beginning to understand temperament, momentum, and all the nuances of the basketball game, bro, we know you can hoop. We know that you, you got crazy hops and athleticism. Did you see? Forget about the dunk. Did you see the catch he made on the alley-oop from Chris oh Paul? Oh, my God. <laughs> how, how did he gather that thing? He does at least one thing every game that leaves your jaw on the ground. But now the athleticism is making sense because he's doing it in sort of a controlled manner. And to your point, just to sort of expand on that, that, yeah, his ability now to recognize, okay, I'm drawing a crowd and I can kick, you know, to have the periphery because he just seems to have those horse blinders on. It's me in the hoop, and I don't care if there's four dudes in front of me. I'm going. And now he's just beginning to to recognize, you know, the, the overall sort of game and what it takes to be successful and impactful at this level, especially with the Golden State Warriors. A couple of things is just that, you know, I – I've seen this before, so I'm not willing to fully commit that he's that he's got it. Secondly, he's at home. And thirdly, sorry, but it is the Washington Wizards. But I think if Jonathan Kaminga can can be that guy, uh, take a shot if it's there. He's actually, you're beginning to see the confidence with his three-point shooting. And you're also beginning to see, you know, he was exalting the crowd the other night after a big dunk. So he... he this is what happens when you're a teenager and you come into the NBA. You're literally growing up in front of, you know, in front of everybody. And if he continues to be this guy that is not as reckless and is not only doing it with his athleticism and being effective, but doing it within the system that is Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors, well then, does it still make sense to trade for Pascal Siakam? I'm one of the belief that it does, but it makes that decision that much more difficult. I think a lot of Warrior fans are getting to a point the last week, week plus, and if this continues, however long it continues, uh, is enough to convince Warrior fans to not move Jonathan Kaminga. I'm seeing a lot of it on the YouTube chat right now. No trade. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it all over the place, and I'm sure on the Comcast Business text line as well, 888-957-9570. Um, I am 
of the mind that you let this thing ride out as long as you can and you've got February 8th at the trade deadline. I, I'm not thinking about trading Jonathan Kaminga right now, but but we'll see uh, how, how it does move forward from this point. One thing I wanted to ask you, Dan, is, and I saw this as well on our YouTube chat earlier, I can't exactly, uh, I, I wasn't able to scroll back and find out exactly who mentioned this, but it was something that I had been thinking of as well. We talked about Kaminga's improved play coming from kind of the, the consistent effort, uh, less pouting, less whining, less frustration on the court. Do you feel like that sort of play has almost been encouraged by mentally for Jonathan Kaminga from what he's seen from Brandon Pajemski and what's giving him success on the court? Because Pajemski, that's never waned from him. The second that he's taken the floor, it's max effort. I'm getting every rebound I can. I'm diving on the floor for loose balls. I'm doing all the little things to help my team. And Kaminga, watching from the sideline, watching from the bench, is seeing like, okay, one, he's getting more minutes. Why is he getting more minutes? Because he's doing those things. Two, Steve Kerr obviously likes him. Three, he's impacting winning. And four, the Warriors crowd loves this guy. Do you think there's any part of Jonathan Kaminga who's seen what Brandon Pajemski has done and what's leading to his success and saying like, oh, it's it's clicking now. That's what I need to do that I haven't been doing enough of. Is there any bit of that you think for Jonathan Kaminga where he's seeing what someone else is doing in order to, to influence what he needs to do better moving forward? I think that the fact that he got passed and leapfrogged a bit in, as far as his minutes from a guy who was in his first year resonated with him. I think Jonathan Kaminga is sort of in his own world. And I think I don't know that that necessarily... I think what Brandon Pajemski's been able to do is that he has this infectious sort of behavior that rubs off on the rest of the team. You know, his taking charges and floor burns, that just sort of like, whether you're conscious of it or not, that just seeps into your system that that's, you know, that's the way we need to play basketball. And it's good for Brand when it comes to the Golden State Warriors, but specifically when it comes to Jonathan Kaminga, I just think that Jonathan Kaminga, the light goes on and off, and I don't know that anybody, including Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, and Brandon Pajemski, have any sort of influence on what it is that he does. I think he knows that there is no ceiling as far as what he can do in this league, that he just has to buy in, and sometimes we see it, and it just becomes a matter of sustainability. It just becomes a matter of, okay, am I going to do this for a half, a game, a couple of games, or do I now get it that this is the way I have to play? I think the bigger question becomes, if you stay with Jonathan Kaminga, and if Trace Jackson Davis, who I think is going to be somebody that's going to continue to do this throughout this season and only get better as career goes forward. But when we get into April and May, and that's what this is all about, certainly when it comes to the Golden State Warriors, that this is a team that wins in the postseason, not only wins in the postseason, but they're measured by you know, how many NBA Finals you win. So as excited as we get about the youth, and I include Jonathan Kaminga in that conversation, how confident are you that this translates now to the postseason? As we all know, that's a different ballgame. Yeah. And I know we only have a couple of seconds. You can tease the fans with your answer, and we'll continue with the conversation on the other side. That's that's an interesting question. It's also something similar that I had in mind. Like, of Pajemski and Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis, who are you convinced uh, is, like, the real them? Who Who can be the most consistent? Like, what they're doing right now 
Is that real? Are we? Can we expect that? Can we count on that? What would your order be in terms of that? And I think that also relates to Kaminga in the postseason. For me, um, I mean, Kaminga's still a young guy, and you're going to have issues away from home against hostile crowds, and he's going to be up and down. Um, but if you just see the effort and, and less of the taking a playoff defensively, that's still progress in my mind. So it's it's not all about having this crazy impact like you had last night every single game that you play. There's other smaller things that I can point to. And again, maybe I'm ready to get hurt again and be wrong again, but I do think there has been at least a slight change there for Jonathan Kaminga. So I'm confident on that moving forward, but I'm interested. We could talk about that on the other side. Of those three, rank those three. Who are you most confident in seeing? I think probably Pajemski would be first, and then Trace Jackson Davis and Jonathan Kaminga in some order at two and three. I'm not sure. Um, but one thing is for certain, if the Warriors are going to continue this trend moving forward of winning games, uh, they're going to need all three of those guys to keep playing well. Let's continue the conversation, talking about the kids, not only now, but how do the kids, when you... Talk about them getting into the postseason. Are they going to be this impactful? It's Mark Grandy, it's Dan Avone, it's Warriors this week. The conversation rolls along after this quick timeout. You're listening to 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.